We'll be reading in Ephesians 4 this morning, so turn to Ephesians 4. We'll be reading verses 11 through 16. If you need a pew Bible, you can find it on page 676. As Pastor Bruce continues the series, not a fan, but a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Last week we learned how to know Christ. Today we'll learn how to grow in Christ, and we're using Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 as our passage. And he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. We ask that we would just grow closer to you today, be with Pastor Bruce as he preaches, and uh, and help us to, to grow in you. And uh, in, in our relationship with you, in Jesus' name, amen. We continue in our series this morning. And we started a couple of weeks ago called Not a Fan. And uh, if you're here for the first time, maybe you were missed the first two Sundays, that's okay. What we're doing in this series is we're basically learning what it means to live as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. In the first message of the series, we... We learned that our mission as individuals, our mission as a church here, as a church family, is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's why we exist as a church. It's our one and only mission. And basically what this means for us in practical terms is that God does not call us to be or to make fans of Jesus Christ. In other words, he calls us to be and to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, We began to ask the question last Sunday, we'll ask it today, and even for the next two Sundays, are we fans or are we followers? And today we are going to see that fully devoted followers of Jesus not only know Christ, but they grow in Christ. Followers of Jesus grow in Christ. The Apostle Peter, he makes this clear in 2 Peter 3, verse 18, when he writes, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so you can think of it this way. Growing in Christ is simply the next step in the process of living as a follower of Christ. In fact, you can see uh, coming up in the next slide, the diagram on the screen, that followers of Jesus are defined by four simple words. You guys memorize the words yet? First word is? No. Second word is? Grow. Third word? Fourth word? Go. You got it. So you got know, grow, show, and go. And uh, that's just a simple way that our church is defining what a fully devoted follower is, what one looks like, what one or how one acts as well. And so you can even be, even now begin to uh, measure yourself. You can begin to evaluate your life. Man, am I doing these four things? Maybe I'm weak in one, strong in another one, and vice versa. Last Sunday we learned that knowing Christ as Savior and Lord is the first step in this process. That is, followers of Jesus have a personal relationship with Jesus where they know Christ. And first and foremost, they know Christ through conversion, through salvation. You say, well, what is salvation? What's conversion? We learned last Sunday it's it's responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do I respond to it? By repenting of my sins. And then trusting Jesus Christ by faith for the forgiveness of my sins and for the gift of eternal life. That's the first step in this whole process. As a Christ follower, how do you cross over from just being a a fan to being a fully devoted follower? How do you cross over from being even as a a lost person, an unbeliever? The very first step you've got to cross over is to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. To know Him personally and where He knows you. It's 
what we call conversion, salvation, but we also want you to progress beyond just knowing Christ initially as a, as a believer in Christ. We want you to know Christ through your commitments to Him, through obedience to Him. And the Bible talks about initially the next step of obedience as a follower of Christ after we know Him is to follow in baptism and to make that public, so publicly identify with Christ in baptism and publicly identify with His body. That is a local church in membership. And then last, number three, you see up there on the screen, we want to continue to know Christ through our celebration of Him, through our worship of Him. It's why we have a worship service like this. It's why we gather once a week as a, as a church family, and we come to celebrate our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and basically, you can define worship this way. Surrender your life to the Lord. And that surrender is daily. And we want to express our love for the Lord not only as in individuals, but we want to come together corporately and express our love for the Lord. Again, like in a service, just like this. So uh, maybe the next step that you need to take in this process of knowing Christ, maybe you already know him, but the next step is, hey, you know what, I, I, don't, I haven't identified with him through baptism. I have yet to identify with his body and membership. Or maybe you need to make a, a commitment, you know, I, I just need to be more consistent in celebrating with the body of believers in one of these ways here. So that kind of identifies the, the process there of knowing Christ. But once you know Christ, we must begin to grow in Christ, to grow in Christ. How many of you have heard of the product miracle Grow? Raise your hand, miracle Grow, right? All right, several. How many have actually used the product miracle Grow? Oh, good. So some of you are familiar with this. Well, for those of you who don't know, miracle Grow is a plant food fertilizer that has worked miracles on people's plants, flowers, and gardens. In fact, that, that little black and white circle of the miracle Grow logo, let me tell you, that is a beloved site from garden, for garden enthusiasts. But did you know miracle Grow was first conceived by Otto Stern, a German immigrant nurseryman? In the 1940s, he sold plants through a mail order service, but had problems ensuring the mailed plants survived shipment and transplanting. So Stern approached Horace Hagedorn, who worked at a New York advertising firm, to ask about buying airtime on a radio program. This is back in the 1940s. And together, they recognized a niche market for a fast-acting liquid fertilizer, and they hired a Rutgers professor to create a water-soluble formula. And, of course, the ease of application combined with the housing boom of the post-World War II boosted sales of the green powder. And then Peggy Hagedorn, Horace's wife, coined the name miracle Grow, And they founded the miracle Grow company in 1950. It's now since been bought out by Scott. So when you go to uh, Grass Pad or Lowe's, you see miracle Grow. it's going to say Scott's in front of it. Now, Scott's miracle Grow. Now, I say all that to ask, man, don't you just wish they had a miracle Grow product for us as believers in Christ, for us as followers of Christ, where we can just grow in Christ with a little miracle Grow? I mean, how cool would it be uh, to just come to church, you know, and you file by and we just sprinkle a little miracle Grow on you? You go home, and you're like, you just kind of, you know, sit in front of your couch, watch a little TV, and the next day, it's like, whoa, man, I'm growing in Christ. This is cool. Or, or, you know, how cool would it be? You go to your grow groups tonight, and the host families, you come in, instead of snacks, you have miracle grow. <laughs> Sprinkle a little miracle grow on you. Man, would that not be the easiest thing in the world? I wish they had something like that. It would be so much easier to grow as a Christ follower if we had a little miracle grow we could sprinkle on us. Unfortunately, there's no such thing as miracle grow for followers of Jesus. Growing in Christ, though, get this, growing in Christ is still a miraculous work of God in the lives of his followers. Anytime any of us grows in Christ, it's a miraculous work of God himself. No, it doesn't happen overnight or even in seven days or in a month. 
Rather, growing in Christ is an ongoing process that takes the rest of our lives as we submit our lives to God's Word, to God's Spirit, and to God's people. Now, this morning, what I want us to do is, again, is to go through this message in a question-and-answer format like we did last Sunday. And I want to answer three questions about growing in Christ as followers of Christ. We're going to look at, answer the question, what is the goal of going, growing in Christ? What is needed to grow in Christ? And then we'll answer the third question, what hinders us from growing in Christ? So let's dive into the first question here. What is the goal of growing in Christ? In doing some research on the internet, I discovered a syndrome I'd never heard about. It's actually called adult baby syndrome. In fact, you see a picture coming up on the screen here. Adult baby syndrome is characterized by the desire, and and I'm not making this up, okay, a desire to wear diapers and be treated as an infant or toddler. One who engages in adult baby syndrome is known as an adult baby. You don't need a psychology degree here to understand that adult baby syndrome, listen, that is not normal behavior. Would you agree with me on that? There's nothing normal about that. We all agree something is wrong with a person who continues to act like a baby as they grow older in life. But folks, listen to me. This is just as true in the spiritual realm for Christ's followers. There are followers of Jesus, perhaps even some here this morning, who accept spiritual adult baby syndrome as just a normal part of the Christian life. That is, there are people who know Christ, but they are not growing in Christ. They're just kind of growing older in Christ. In many ways, we could say they are spiritual adult babies because they're not growing in Christ. So it's obvious the goal of growing in Christ is not about growing old in Christ. Rather, the goal is about growing up in Christ. So what does that mean to grow up in Christ? What does this look like? Well, let's define it here a little bit. The goal, you see this in your notes, the goal of growing in Christ can be summarized in one word. I like this word. It's the word Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. And we have a simple definition there of what Christ-likeness is. It's being and doing more like Christ. Christ-likeness is being more like Christ in our character and is doing more like Christ in our conduct. This was the goal of the Apostle Paul himself when he says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he says, imitate me just as I also imitate who? Christ. What does it mean to imitate someone? How many have children? Or you used to have little children, toddlers. And when you have toddler children, what do they do? They imitate you, right? As a parent, they don't imitate everything. Unfortunately, they start to imitate the bad things on our lives. We don't want that. We tell them, no, don't do what I do on this. But they tend to imitate us. They imitate even our characters, and they imitate our conduct. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, hey, imitate me, but do so as I imitate Christ. Being more like Christ in our conduct, doing more like, I mean in our character, doing more like Christ in our conduct. Paul uses another word to describe this goal of growing in Christ-likeness, and that is mature, or maturity in Christ. He states this in Colossians 1.28. This verse is in your notes there. Look at it. It says, Him we proclaim. The Him there is Christ. So Christ we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone what? Mature in Christ. In other words, they have grown up in Christ. They're acting like Christ. They're living like Christ. Now, how how do we grow up in Christ or become mature in Christ? Paul tells us in the next chapter, in chapter 2 of Colossians, verses 2 and 6 and 7, where he says, therefore, as you have Receive Christ Jesus the Lord. In other words, you now know Christ personally. You've received him by faith. So you're in the first step. You know Christ. And now he tells us how we grow up in Christ. Look what he says. He says, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, 
just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And of course, Paul states the same goal in our text that Zach read for us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, except here in the text that Zach read for us, it's not growing up in Christ just individually. The context of Ephesians 4, did you catch it? The context is growing corporately as a body of believers, as a body of Christ followers. And he says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. In other words, Christ-likeness, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, spiritual babies who are tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, speaking God's word in love, we will in all things, what, grow up in him, it says, who is the head, that is Christ. So the command to grow in Christ, think through this with me, the command to grow here in God's word is the logical and natural result of knowing Christ personally. We know Christ through our new birth in God's family. Do you remember last Sunday we looked at the story of Nicodemus? What did Jesus tell Nicodemus he had to do in order to enter the kingdom of God, in order, in, in, in order to go to heaven? Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that he must be born again. In other words, there had to be a new birth in Nicodemus' life, just as there has to be a new birth in our life. And when you are born again, listen, just as a physical birth, you're not born fully mature, physically. The same way spiritually. When you come into God's family through the new birth, you're born again through saving faith in Jesus Christ. You know him personally. We are we enter into that family spiritually, spiritual babies. And so the natural result, the command to now grow, is because we, are, we have a new birth. There's new life in us. And God says, I don't want you to stay that way. I want you to grow now in my son, Jesus Christ. Grow in that relationship. Every parent understands this truth. I mean, after your baby was born, you expected What? You expected your baby would start growing. That's the assumption every parent makes. And if your baby didn't show signs of growth, what would you do? You would take your bundle of joy to the doctor. Why? Because it's an indication that something is drastically wrong with your baby. Every year, uh, my youngest son, Jack, plays football. And so every year we have to take him to the doctor. Because he has to have a physical. And it takes about 30 minutes, and they check him over, and they tell me what I already know. He's not normal. No, he is. <laughs> He's normal. And they prove that to me because he, they, they weigh him. They measure his height, and, uh, and they look at his ears, his throat stuff, and just his heartbeat and stuff like that. And they have a growth. They, they show me his charts and stuff, and they tell me afterwards, your son's fine. He's normal. He's progressing right as he should. In fact, your son, and then they always percentile them. You guys know what the percentile, your kid's in the 50 percentile. That is, he, in relation to his weight and height, out of, you know, 100 kids, he's at number 50. You know, my, Jack's always seems to be in the 90th percentile. I mean, he hasn't wavered from that, it seems like, since he was, like, in three years old. And, uh, and so, you know, he gets all excited about that. Come home from the physical, he's all excited. And that is the one thing about kids. They get excited about growing up physically. Not so much maturity-wise, right? But they get excited about growing. How many parents have used or had a growth chart in your home? Right, you know, we used to have a growth chart. You know, you, on the wall, we even used a pencil. You line them up, and then, you know, right here, pencil it. And then you have all these little marks on the wall. And, and for Jack and Tyler, we'd have Jack, you know, and then date it. Tyler up here. And, 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 you know, they'd go glance at everyone. See, man, I grew. Wow, man, I grew. I'm growing. All excited about it. And that's the way kids are. As God's children, we should be that excited about growing in Christ. What if you charted your growth as a Christ follower? What would your spiritual growth chart show you? What would it reveal to you? Would it reveal that you grew in the first year of knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
and that you haven't grown in the last 10 years? Is that what your spiritual growth chart would reveal in your life? Would it reveal that you're still an adult spiritual baby? Or would your growth chart reveal that you have made progression in your Christian relation, in your relationship with Christ? Yes, you may be taking a step back, but two steps forward, and it always hasn't been this way, but it's, you know, but you're progressing. There's progress being made. Would your spiritual chart show you're growing up or just growing old in Christ? So what's it take to grow up in Christ? Because growing in Christ, listen, it doesn't happen automatically. Have you figured that out by now? It, even, it doesn't even happen accidentally. Yes, it's a miraculous work of God in our lives, but what is needed to grow in Christ? Well, this brings us to our second question. What is needed to grow in Christ? I want to take you back to our Acts chapter 2. We were there last Sunday. Acts chapter 2. And after Peter preached Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, he preached this, this awesome message to the men of Israel there on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And after G- Peter preached about Jesus being G- Christ and Lord, we're told that 3,000 people responded to the message. And they became followers of Jesus. And you know what took place in their life right after that? They began to grow as followers of Jesus Christ. We get a glimpse of this spiritual growth in their life in Acts chapter 2, Verses 41 and 42. In fact, I think it's in your notes there if you want to look at it. Look what it says. So those who received his word, they received Jesus Christ, the truth about Jesus Christ in relation to the truth about themselves. I'm a sinner and I'm hopeless without Christ. That's bad news. But the good news is Jesus died to pay for my sins. And he rose again. That's good news. I respond to that. I receive that by faith. That's what these people did here. So they received his word, and the next thing it says, they were baptized. They took the next step of obedience here. And then they were added that day, about 3,000 souls. Added to what? Added to the church at Jerusalem. They identified themselves to the church, the body of believers. So again, we see the, the steps taken again about knowing Christ. And the next, notice the next verse, verse 42. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, this verse here, verse 42, it seems to be a summary statement of the essentials that are needed to grow in Christ, which is then later on illustrated and unpacked for us in more detail in verses 43 through 47. But verse 42 is the summary statement of it. The essentials that are needed. And then we see it illustrated and unpacked later on. But don't miss what Luke says first about these new believers in Jesus Christ. These these followers of Christ. He says they what? They devoted themselves. Some of your Bibles may even say they continued steadfastly. Now both those phrases point to purpose. They point to resolve. In other words, these followers of Jesus, they seriously, they relentlessly, they earnestly persisted in the essentials for growing in Christ. Now, do you know what this means? What the implications of this? It means I have a part to play in my spiritual growth. It means you have a part to play in your spiritual growth as well. Yes, spiritual growth is a miraculous work of God in the life of one who knows Christ. But we must devote ourselves to the essentials that God uses to grow us. You say, what are the essentials that God uses to grow us? Well, look at it again in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Now, breaking of bread can mean both uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, and even a shared meal of eating together with one another, and then the prayers. We could say these followers of Jesus devoted themselves, we could summarize it this way. They devoted themselves, get this, to God's Word, 
to God's Spirit and to God's people. You can think of this as the ingredients of God's miracle grow. This is the ingredients of God's miracle grow that he uses to grow those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let me break this down. Let's look at each one individually. Three essentials for growing in Christ. First of all, we need God's word to grow. We need God's word to grow. Peter makes this clear when he writes in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby. Peter is telling us that God's word for a believer is like milk to a baby. And what is milk to a baby? Oh man, milk to a baby is not optional, is it? It's essential for life. And by using this image, Peter doesn't mean that the milk of God's word is only for brand new Christians. He's not saying it's only for baby followers of Jesus Christ. What he means by this imagery is that all believers are to be as hungry for God's word as a baby is for its mother's milk. And the reason is clear. So that you may grow thereby, Peter says. Now, I'm sure you've all heard the saying, milk does a body good. You know what Peter's telling us here? He's saying, the milk of God's word does the soul good. God has designed a mother's milk as the perfect food for newborn babies. It will immunize her baby from illnesses. It will nourish her baby for growth. And in the same way, God's word will protect us from sin. It will nourish us for spiritual growth. This is the same thing that Paul tells us later on in 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, when it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable, get this, for four things. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete. That word complete simply means may be mature in Christ and equipped for every good work as a Christ follower. Whoa, the power of God's word. And the key to all of this To what Peter is saying is the word desire. Desire. I like how some translations, they they translate that word as crave. And it means so much more than just a casual desire. It means a deep desire that leads to a vigorous action. It's a craving. How many ever have a craving for chocolate? And what do you do? because none of us are strong enough to resist chocolate cravings, are we? So if we don't have a candy bar at home, we make sure we go buy one in the next three days to fulfill our craving for chocolate. It's the same idea here. In what action did this deep desire for God's Word lead these new followers of Christ in Acts 2 to do? What did their desire lead them to do? It caused them to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Listen, this is why the teaching and preaching of God's word is so vital for growing in Christ. This is why it's so important to come to a worship service like this. Come to our discovery hour. And hear the word of God explained to you, taught to you, and then exhorted to you, proclaimed to you in a preaching format like this. There's no way of getting around it. Yes, we need to devote ourselves to daily reading of God's word. We need individual daily reading, intake for ourselves of God's word as Christ followers. But we also need to devote ourselves to weekly teaching and preaching of God's word if we want to grow in Christ. And if we truly have the Spirit of God within our souls, then there should be a craving for God's Word. And if there's not, that should give reason for me to honestly look in my heart before God and go, am I really a follower or am I just a fan? So we are to crave the milk of God's Word the way babies crave its mother's milk. Because just as a baby needs milk to grow, 
followers of Jesus need God's word to grow. But we not only need God's word, we have to have God's spirit. God's spirit is the power in our lives. Here's something you may want to write down. God's word plus God's spirit, you know what that equals? Life in Christ. God's word plus God's spirit equals life in Christ. Jesus tells us this in John chapter 6, verse 63. He says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus, again, I go back to the story of Nicodemus. He told Nicodemus in John 3 that he must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And God's spirit is the agent in that new birth. In other words, it's the spirit of God that gives life to, uh, gives us new life in Christ. And so if God's spirit gives us life in Christ, then it means we also need God's spirit to grow in Christ. This is why we're told in God's word all throughout the New Testament, to be controlled by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, to be yielded to the Spirit, and even to pray in the Spirit. This is what we see taking place now in Acts chapter 2 when the followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves in prayers. In fact, dependence on God's Spirit through prayer played a key role throughout the book of Acts in the growth of the church of Jesus Christ both in Jerusalem and in Antioch, and then scattered beyond Judea and Samaria into the uttermost parts of the world. God's power, God's spirit right here. The reality is, we cannot grow on our own strength in our own power. You cannot grow apart from the spirit of God working in your life. It's an impossibility. Because God's word plus God's spirit, is what gives life. It's what enables us to grow in that life in Christ, that new birth that we entered into. But we also need not just God's word, God's spirit, but we need God's people as well. Which brings us to the third point. We need God's people to grow. Acts 2.42 says the followers of Jesus devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then you drop down to verses 46 and 47, and it tells us what this looked like in the early church. It gives us an example of it, where it says every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. In other words, in a large gathering like this, they broke bread then in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In other words, they not only got together in, the, in a large gathering like this, but they got together in smaller gatherings, in cells, in people's homes, where they broke bread, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, here, don't miss this, because the context... In this passage in Acts chapter 2, the context here of the early church was built around God's people growing together. They're not growing in isolation. Show me that in the Word of God. You won't find it. The context of these new believers growing is growing together not in isolation. They were learning together through the apostles' teaching. They were sharing together, which is fellowship. They were eating together, which is the breaking of bread, and they were praying together. Everything that's taken place, they were doing it together. Now, do you think this is by accident? Uh, uh, yo, Joe, do you want to get together here? Or we text, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, why don't you come on over to my house and let's kind of hang out and we'll maybe grow in Christ together. You think that's what took place? No way. This is not accidental. God knows that growing in Christ happens in the context of God's people. This is why Hebrews 10, chapter 23 and 25 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The confession of our hope, you know what that is? It's our profession of faith in Jesus Christ. I hope, my hope in this life isn't in what the world offers. My hope in this life is in what Christ offers to me. His Son. And the 
gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. That's my hope, so that I'm like John Bosch who passed away. I die in peace, not in chaos and franticness. Because I have a hope, and I'm holding on to the confession of that hope without wavering in this chaotic world. But don't miss what comes after that. It says, For he who promised is faithful, and let us then consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. This means, the implication of this is, you can't grow in Christ in isolation from other Christ followers. And yet, how many so-called followers of Jesus think they can grow without being part of a local church family. After all, they think, oh, I could just sit in front of my computer and watch church service on YouTube. It's good enough for me. I could just download the latest podcast and listen to a sermon in my car. Who needs the church? Church is messy. It's got people in it. They bother me. They're not perfect. In fact, some of them are even hypocritical. I don't want to be a part of that. And that's the way we Americans think here in our culture. I don't need the church. I can still grow in Christ. But folks, we can't be devoted, get this, to the head, which is Christ, and at the same time, cut ourselves off from His body, the church of Jesus Christ, and then expect to grow in Christ. It doesn't work that way because we need God's people to grow. That is the way God has designed it. Can you imagine me telling my wife, Darla, I mean, I love your face, but I just hate your body. I can hang with your head, but not your body. Uh, the logic of that. And, then, and yet, that's what we do all the time. People who profess to be Christ followers... I'm devoted to Jesus. I just don't want anything to do with the church. You can't cut the head off from his body. It doesn't work. Now, I love our church in the sense that we offer three opportunities for all of us here to grow in Christ. Notice this coming up on the screen. It's also in your, in your notes here. Opportunities for you to help you grow in Christ. One is to grow deeper in the discovery hour. First opportunity, grow deeper in the discovery hour. Uh, if you're not familiar, our discovery hour takes place before this hour right here at 9.30 uh, to 10.30. And it's classes basically for all people of all ages on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. And basically what we're asking you to do is an opportunity for you to come and discover what God's Word says about growing in Christ. About living as a Christ follower. It's an awesome opportunity. And we have it for all age levels. Uh, you can, so that's the first one, grow deeper in discovery hour. Number two, a second way to grow, help you grow is grow closer in grow groups. And many of you are part of grow groups. They take place in people's homes on Sunday evenings for the purpose of growing as Christ followers with God's people, in community with God's people. In fact, the focus, uh, some of the, the focuses that we do in a grow group is uh, obviously we're, we're praying for one another, we're pr- not only praying for each other, but we're praying for lost people, that we would have an impact and influence with them. We're, it's the application of the Word of God. So we're not trying to introduce and teach new stuff all the time, but are we applying it? Are we doing God's Word? Are we living out God's Word? And of course, it's a great place to receive encouragement. It's where the heart of caring for one another really takes place in our church. The structure of our grow groups is where the caring for each other takes place. The one another's. Helping one another out. I'll give you just one simple example on that. The polos moved here recently. Anybody move? You know what moving's like? You've got to pack up a lot of boxes, furniture, pack it up in your U-Haul, and then unpack it, and you get the gist. You think Kirk and Dana are going to do that by themselves with four kids who are all under the age of 10? Nada. So who, how'd they move? Who do you think helped them move? They're a grow group. First and foremost, 
And there were some other of us that pitched in as well. But the care for them took place through the context of their grow group. Listen, we all need care. We all need encouragement. If you want care, and you come to me and go, man, Bruce, man, nobody cares for me at, our, at this church. I don't, my first question to you is, well, tell, let me, what, tell me, what, what grow group are you a part of? And you're like, well, I just, I'm not a part of a grow group. I'm like, well, that's really where the care of one another's take place, the, the heart of the ministry there, in the context of our grow groups. That's what, I can't care for everybody here. The church is too big. It's an impossibility. The work of the ministry, if we're going to find out next Sunday, is meant to be done by all of us, one another's here. And so grow group's a great place. Uh, and then the third opportunity is grow stronger in grow one-on-one. Grow one-on-one discipleship or mentoring with another Christ follower to help you grow in Christ. And, uh, you know, perhaps that's something you're interested in. You're like, man, I just need some, some one-on-one help to grow my relationship with Christ. Let us know. We'll help you do that. Chris and I both, right now, we're, we're discipling uh, some guys. One-on-one, we meet with them. Uh, and so if that's something you're interested in, fill out the communication card. But these are three opportunities for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So if God has given us his word, his spirit, and his people to grow in Christ, then why don't some followers of Jesus grow? Because the reality is, not, every, not all of us are growing. In a church this size, not all of us are growing. Why? Well, this brings us to our last question. What hinders us from growing in Christ? Well, God's miracle and grow involves God's word, God's spirit, and God's people, as we said. And if we, get this, if we remove or hinder any one of these three essentials from our lives, we will stop growing or making progress in spiritual growth. So followers of Jesus stop growing or making progress when? Three ways. Number one, when we neglect to pay attention to God's word. We'll stop growing when we neglect to pay attention to God's word. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. In other words, the first reason we stop growing in our relationship with Christ is because we stop listening to God's word. We stop applying it to our lives. We stop heeding it, paying careful attention to it. Now, here's a command that we desperately need to hear in our culture with all the noise out there that competes for our attention, not the least of which is the smartphones that we have on us 24-7. That is a constant distraction at times. And I'm all for technology. I'm not saying a smartphone's bad. I want one. I don't have one yet, but I, I, I want one. All right? But I'm just telling you, man, we got them... We, Nobody goes anywhere without this right here. Constant noise coming into us. We'll pay more attention to our smartphones than we will to this. And we wonder why I'm not growing. Let me ask you, who do you listen to? Whom do you listen to? God has spoken through his word. Are you paying attention to it? Are you obeying it? And we must do this. Notice how he says it. The author of Hebrews, with very close attention. In other words, we can't treat this casually as if it doesn't matter, as if it's no big deal. Why? So we don't drift away from our relationship with Christ. This word drifting. Oh, 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 pay attention to that word drifting because it is a, oh, Drifting. It means float by. It's what a stick does on a river or a dead fish on a river. It floats by as you stand on the bank. Oh, there goes a stick. Ooh, look at that dead fish. And it just floats on by. What's interesting, it takes no life and no motion to float by, does it? You just do nothing and you will float by. Hebrews says that if we neglect to pay attention to God's word, we will we'll be like that dead fish. We will just float by. 
we will drift away from our relationship with Christ. And let me tell you, every one of us, we all know people that this has happened to. And the result is not standing still, but drifting away. That's the point of this passage here. There is no standing still when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Because you're either growing toward Christ or you are drifting away from Christ. And when you drift long enough in your relationship with Christ, it leads to, get this, to destruction. To your own destruction. But Hebrews says the remedy for this, is for drifting, is paying attention to God's Word. Heeding it, applying it, listening to it. So the first reason why we stop growing is we neglect to pay attention to the Word of God. The second reason we stop growing is we harbor sin, which grieves or quenches God's Spirit. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse 30. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now here's the question. How do you grieve God's Spirit, who is necessary for growing in Christ? How do you grieve the Spirit of God? Well, the answer is, harbor sin in your heart. And you will grieve or quench God's Spirit from working in your life. You may ask, well, Bruce, how do you know sin grieves God's Spirit? Because when you read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, in the context of all that's around it, it becomes apparent sin is what grieves God's Spirit from working in our lives. Now, get this though. This is interesting. While all sin grieves God's Spirit, it seems that sins against God's people especially grieve His Spirit. You say, where do you get this? Well, all you got to do is read verses 25 through 32 there in Ephesians chapter 4, and do you realize all the sins listed there are relational in nature? They're relational sins against one another. They are sins we commit against each other, and then they are sins that we tend to harbor in our hearts. And what we harbor in our hearts almost always comes out through our mouths. Which is why Paul then says in verse 29, right before verse 30 about quenching the Spirit, he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. In other words, building up in Christ that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then we come to verse 30 where it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then the verse right after that. So you've got two bookends of verses here. Verse 31 says, get this. Sins that we harbor in the heart. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking, which is slander, be put away from you with all malice. And then God gives us a solution to these relational sins that we tend to harbor in our heart. And it's found in verse 32 where he says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Wow. Now, I believe this is one of the biggest reasons why people stop growing. It's because of secret sins or sins they have harbored in their heart against somebody else. And as long as we have sins in our heart, we're offended by somebody, we have bitterness against somebody, resentment against somebody, it doesn't matter what it is, call it whatever you want. God's spirit is grieved and quenched And we have to have the power of God's Spirit to grow us. And all the while, we have this going on, this junk in our hearts, and we wonder why I'm not growing. And it's not, I'm telling you, the correlation is amazing. When we have junk in our heart, here's what we tend to do. We need God's people, but what do we do? We isolate from God's people. We always step back. Because we haven't dealt with the junk in the heart that's hindering us from growing. This is a huge reason. Number three, the third reason followers of Jesus stop growing, is, which leads us right into this, is we forsake community with God's people. We already read this passage in Hebrews 10. 
And many of us have heard this text referred to as an argument for regular attendance at worship services. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Come to church regularly. And that is not a wrong application of the text. It's one of the most important kinds of encouragement and exhortations is from what we get in the preaching of God's word. But in the context, the kind of coming together in view seems to be one where God's people is encouraging one another. Encouraging one another implies that there is something mutual going on. One is encouraging another, and another is encouraging one. Each is saying or doing something that encourages growth. And if you ask what that corresponds to in our church, listen, I would say the closest thing is our grow groups, which is why I regard this ministry so critical for growing in Christ. Yes, I'm a great believer of the teaching and preaching of God's Word. There's no replacing God's Word being taught and being preached in the life of a Christ follower. But listen to me, I have no illusions that teaching and preaching is ever enough in the life of a Christ follower. The New Testament calls us again and again to a kind of mutual ministry that involves God's people encouraging one another in community. So I ask you to take stock of your life. Where are you in relation to verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 10? Because there are two groups in that verse. The first group is those who gather in community with God's people. The second group is those who forsake community with God's people. And then there's a little phrase in verse 25 that says, as is the manner or habit of some, which means gathering in community and forsaking community can be habit-forming. So how are you doing? Which one is your habit? Listen, it's not too late to get connected in a grow group and make community with God's people your habit. Now, we've come to that point in the message again where it's time to have the DTR talk. You remember from last Sunday what the DTR talk is? Define the relationship. And last Sunday we learned that this is the official talk that takes place at some point in a romantic relationship to determine the level of commitment. You know, you kind of want to see where things stand and find out if what you have in that relationship is real or if it's just infatuation. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Have the DTR talk and define the relationship you have with Jesus. So here's the question. It's real simple this morning. Am I growing? That's the question. Am I growing in my relationship with Christ through God's word and God's spirit and community with God's people? Let's pray. Before we pray, let me help you to respond to this message a little bit. And think in terms of the next steps you need to take to grow in Christ. You know, the first and most important step is to make sure you know Christ personally as Savior and Lord. And maybe say, man, I know Christ, but have you taken the next step of baptism? The next step of joining our church or attending worship service? And then you need to take some grow steps. Perhaps your next step is to start attending the discovery hour or get connected in a grow group, or, or maybe you're interested in grow one-on-one with another Christ follower. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Identify one step that you need to take to begin growing in Christ, and then take that step. Identify it as Kirk sings.